The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. If you could learn more about spirituality and how it can work in your favor, would you be intrigued? Of course you would. It's time to get real. This is Get Real Radio with your host, James Robinson. In our show, we'll interview fascinating guests with the intent of bringing you closer to who you really want to be. Get ready for some of the most profound radio on any airwaves today. Now, here is James Robinson. Welcome to Get Real Radio. I'm your host, James Robinson, and today we are absolutely thrilled to feature Tom Kenyon, who's one of my heroes, and he is someone that I've been following for over a decade now. And if whenever I think of a true Renaissance man, Tom always comes to mind because he's remarkably brilliant, he's gifted, and he does so many things that he, you just can't put one label on him. He's a teacher, he's a scientist, he's a sound healer, He's a psychotherapist, a musician, a songwriter. He's a singer with a four-octave voice, and I know that most people can't get their head around that, And but if you ever listen to any of his music, you will understand how truly gifted he is. He's a sound shaman. He's an author, and he's also just recently made a very important and fascinating new film called The Song of the New Earth, Tom Kenyon and the Power of Sound. Uh, you know, the world is finally, finally starting to take notice of him, although he's been very popular with many spiritual uh, seekers in the past. And he's, in fact, you know, I, I may be being a little bit... Uh, grandiose here, but I've been following the development of what they call brain entrainment, and that means using sounds and electronic means to develop exercise and or change the way that your brain works, and Tom is one of the pioneers of this area of science, and it's uh, a I have been listening to his works now for many years, and I can tell you that his stuff works. So welcome, Tom. Thank you. Very nice to be here. One of the things that I know that a lot of people will want to know is, how did you get started in your sound healing uh, work and your sound psychotherapy and and all the many different things that you do? Well, it started out, in a strange way, um, when I was a child, actually, um, my father made me a swing hanging from this huge oak tree, and um, I would go out and swing in, around twilight, and my experience as a child was that the world was alive, and I could sing to the moon and the stars, and they would sing back to me. And so from a very early age, I was traveling uh, 
into other realms of consciousness using my voice, but I didn't certainly didn't know what I was doing from a scientific standpoint. It took decades before I began to look at that. And then when I was 18, I had a spontaneous samadhi in my uncle's cow pasture, of all places. And I had no experience, no understanding of Eastern philosophy. I was um, in North Carolina, and uh, suddenly I was compelled to sit down under a tree, and my hands went into a mudras, and I didn't even know what those were, and I closed my eyes, and the world disappeared subjectively, and there was no time and no space. And um, I entered a deep state of stillness and bliss that I'd never experienced before, which uh, I found out later is called Sat Chitananda, knowledge, existence, and bliss. And um, it was such a profound experience. I thought that maybe it had lasted a few moments, but when I opened my eyes, the sun was low in the sky, and I'd been in this state for hours. And it drove me into trying to find out what this was because there was no reference point in my culture. And it took me in my, my first area of exploration was into the mystical uh, contemplative uh, Christian tradition that came out of the Middle Ages. And I was exploring this and it led me into Eastern meditation techniques and I was practicing and exploring all these different spiritual methods for altering consciousness and entering into this realm. I was trying to figure out what, still trying to figure out what happened to me when I was 18. And when I was at the University of North Carolina, I started to explore psychology and neuropsychology. And the two began to wed together, and I, I started to understand the what was happening in the brain to some extent in these altered states. And then it just led me... Uh, my fascination with singing and my voice took me into the work of Dr. Lazanov from the Bulgarian uh, from Bulgaria at the Lazanov Institute, and just studying how he had documented how music affected the brain. And I then received training in what was called whole brain learning at the time, which was the use of sound and music to affect the brain. And simultaneously, I had a psychotherapy practice. And I knew that the sound could be used to accelerate the, the transform, transformational process because I was using it in therapy with my clients. And it hit me around 1983 that this was a very important modality but that needed to be explained scientifically for our culture to really understand it. So I formed a loose-knit group of researchers called Acoustic Brain Research, and for 10 years, I worked with this group to study how sound and music affected the brain. So it became out of something, started with something very numinous and ephemeral, which was a childhood experience, and then something when I was 18 that became a pivotal point in the orientation of my life. And finally, ironically, um, the explanation for what occurred came out of science, out of neuropsychology. So I am in this odd juxtaposition of exploring and constantly referencing the mystical traditions of various paths that we have developed on Earth and looking at it through the lens of neuropsychology. And for some people, they're antithetical spiritual 
and scientific. But I find that when you bring the two together, there's a very interesting territory of inquiry, and uh, it's, that's the focus of my work is how sound and music can alter consciousness, and through those altered states, everyone who experiences these states in themselves can open doors to new creativity and insight because I believe that we are in a crisis as a global culture. We have to change how we view ourselves, how we view each other, and how we view the earth. And that's going to require new creative thinking in ways that um, we haven't touched on before. And I, so my work is an, is an attempt to help in that process. So you've done a lot of research and a lot of work on the effect that sound has on humans. And so can you explain to us a little bit on what exactly happens when certain sound vibrations are perceived or received by the human brain? Yeah, we know from neuropsychology the pathways, the acoustic pathways, the nerves, uh, when the sound hits the ear, inner ear and creates a vibration, ironically, it travels through a liquid. So the vibrations that move through air get translated into a liquid medium inside our head. <laughs> and so what we are hearing is actually not what is the vibration. We're hearing a translation of the vibration. But neuroscience clearly mapped out the acoustic pathways in the brain and where they go and how they're routed and that's fascinating in and of itself, but another field of inquiry called subtle energy medicine is looking at how sound creates movements of energy through the medium of our energy fields. And the ancients called it the aura, but in science we would never use that term because you wouldn't get any funding. So <laughs> they use the term energy field. And this has been clearly documented, and uh, it's been getting clearer and clearer through the research that sound not only affects the brain through the various pathways and specific areas of the brain which activate potentials, um, specifically the, uh, the right hemisphere. Because when pure sound without language um, is generated, the brain goes into a morphing state, and the left hemisphere where we think and have logic gets temporarily suspended in the right hemisphere, which is more intuitive and spatially oriented, begins to become more active, and this creates some mystical states that arise during meditation. So neuroscience is very clear about those acoustic pathways, but another area that's very exciting is the subtle energy medicine, and, and this is how the sound vibrations are affecting the energy field and more subtle levels of our anatomy than Western science has traditionally looked at. Well, does sound have the ability to heal disease and illnesses? Unquestionably. And it, that's a very complex um, topic, but to condense it down, uh, if the sound pattern creates a relaxing state of consciousness in the person. And there's two levels that this can occur. The sound vibrations itself can actually affect um, a disease process. And when sound is used 
and as a means to create a mental context of healing. For instance, create a visualization or a meditation that's focusing on an area of the body that needs attention. Something happens wherever you put your awareness internally, energy tends to follow. Subtle energy follows that trail wherever your focus is. So if your focus is in an area of your body that's giving you a difficulty and you have the right sound patterns that activate what's called the parasympathetic nervous system, which means the calming, relaxing, self-healing aspect of your nervous system, which every human being possesses, when those two elements come together, you have a very powerful potential for healing. I've seen it over and over again, and remarkable uh, instances um, have taken place. And, and as a researcher, I find it really fascinating, and I want to continually want to continually explore the mechanisms. But ultimately, um, it's a mystery. It's 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 so vast. It's uh, part of the mystery of life itself because everything essentially comes down to vibration. Sound is simply vibration through a medium like air. But what we're really talking about is vibration. Right. Well, let me ask you this. One of the um, descriptors that people have used for you is a sound shaman. <laughs> and I've, I have had uh, sessions with shaman. I've been to Peru, I've met with the Carol Indians and, and done all that kind of stuff. And the thing I notice and when they do their ceremonies, they're doing a lot of animalistic natural sounds. In other words, they make sounds with the birds, they make drumming sounds, they play a flute. Is Are those the kind of sounds that you're talking about that can affect the, the uh, nervous system to put it in a healing state? Yes. And... Um Sound can a healing state can be generated by listening to a piece of music that's very relaxing and calming. And um, in the Western tradition, um, and shamanism, they use these animal sounds for two things. One is it alters brain state, but it's also there's this underlying structure of belief, which is a positive part of the healing experience, that the shaman has access to other dimensions of consciousness, other vibratory fields that he or she can bring into this world through his or her voice or through how he or she drums or other um, instruments they might be using. So when a shaman is using, for instance, a bird sound, they're if they're a true shaman, they're not, it's not a performance piece. They're actually connecting into the spirit world where that being dwells. And that sound, they use their voice to bring that sound into this world. And so the person who is receiving the healing or going through the ceremony has the context and the understanding that these sounds are for the purpose of healing or transformation. So there's an expectation for this to occur, and that is part of the equation. But the, the fascinating thing for me about the, sham, the shamanic element of sound is that the shaman is using his or consciousness as a bridge to these other levels of vibration that have healing potential and bring it into this world for others to experience. 
And they do that through becoming what uh, some traditions call the hollow reed. They, in other words, they're not, their personalities are not in the equation. They surrender to this energy of, let's say, a bird spirit. And that bird spirit enters this world shamanically through their voice. And it's recognized and processed by the nervous systems and the body-mind complex of everyone who is going through that ceremony. So it's a very powerful, fascinating modality of healing. I would love to talk more, but there's so much uh, else I would need to ask you about. For our, li- I know our listeners are really fascinated by uh, what you're doing. What happens when to a person's brain or a body when they hear music, and specifically your music? Because your music is so vast, so broad, so all-encompassing that it's – I am fascinated by – how it affects both the way we think and the way we feel and and how we respond to that. Can you explain that? Well, the simplest uh, entryway into this would be the two nervous systems that we possess, and one's the sympathetic and one's the parasympathetic. And the sympathetic nervous system is what organizes our perception outward. We need to pay attention to what's going on in the environment around us to survive. So that nervous system uh, creates stress hormones, it raises blood pressure, um, it mobilizes muscle energy. Um, It is a mobilizer of energy so that you can pay attention to what might be coming at you and that you have to deal with. And it increases uh, and speeds up brainwave activity into what's called beta, and there are higher levels of beta uh, that neurologists look at. So... The sympathetic nervous system is basically how we interface with the world. And the parasympathetic nervous system is the opposite effect. It lowers blood pressure, lowers heart rate, it decreases stress hormones, and it orients us to our inner reality. And in the body's attempt to have homeostasis, which means it's always trying to find a place of balance, if it has, we have too much stimulation from trying to deal with the external world and don't have enough recuperation, which is why sleep is so important. Sleep engages the parasympathetic nervous system. And when we're sleeping, our body's rebuilding itself. Stress hormones are decreasing. Um, Obviously, our respiration goes down. Muscle tension relaxes. These are all healing effects. The body does this in its own wisdom and its own rhythm. What happens in altered states of consciousness that music and sound like I produce, and many other musicians who work with this field called psychoacoustics understand the basic premise is that music without words or language activates the right hemisphere. And this is where there's more intuition. Um, The right hemisphere is very spatially oriented. It has immense spatial awareness. And as a person enters into these altered states through the, the rhythm of the music, it's the rhythmic pattern, that's what Lazanoff discovered back in the 60s, was that this, it's the rhythm of the music that entrains the brain. And then you have another whole category of, called tonality and timbre. The sound quality has an effect, but the rhythm is what creates the change in brain state. And as brain state lowers which is what the type of music that I work with often does, it 
creates an activation of the parasympathetic nervous system. So the body spontaneously moves into a state of self-healing. And by self-healing, I mean specifically a state in which stress hormones decrease, respiration decreases, heart rate goes down, muscle tension relaxes, and the body starts to to rebuild itself at a physiological level. And in addition to that, the right hemisphere is becoming activated, and you have these wondrous, um, what some people might call mystical or spiritual experiences, um, in which you might be floating in space, you might travel to other worlds. You have experiences that you don't normally have in your day-to-day life. And so when people first start entering this work, uh, and I say think of it as a waking dream, because from the standpoint of brain wave activity, that's exactly what's happening when you go into these altered states. Your brain is producing the type of brain wave activity that it needs to pay attention to the outer world, but it also is starting to produce activity like you're having when you are asleep. And it's, it's a way to accommodate these extremely non-ordinary types of experiences where you're floating in space or energies from the cosmos are coming to you and all types of unusual experiences take place. So if you put it in the context of a waking dream, it's a way to enter into exploring these healing potentials without having to believe that they're real, meaning because they're so different than our normal everyday experiences. Anyone who's meditated knows what I'm talking about. There are things that happen in meditative states that never occur in your normal waking state. And so these are two different realities. And the beauty is that when you bring these two realities together, the the riches, as I call them, the treasures of the inner worlds that can be activated through the use of sound and music, and your everyday knowledge of life, you become more creative and resourceful. It's just a spontaneous thing that happens in the brain because when the brain experiences something new and novel, it starts to create new neurological networks. We know this very clearly, no matter what your age is. And these new neurological networks are literally a physical foundation for new creativity, new insight, and new ways of living. Well, let me ask you this, Tom. I, I'm, we've, we're going to have to take a break here shortly, but is this kind of like when you listen to music that you really enjoy and you kind of are transcended or transported to a place where you feel you're feeling great and, you know, it's, it's just a place where everything is pleasant it's you know i'm thinking about symphonies or maybe even there's a a song that you really enjoy and when you when you listen to this song you just stop what you're doing and just totally are immersed into this music and that and if so what kind of benefits can people get when they go there well when they Experience, when they go into a musical experience like you're describing, I would say um, the body enters into a self-healing state spontaneously because the music has the ability to do this. But the other very interesting thing about this is that it alters perceived time. When you enter into these musical experiences, something that you really love, time your experience of time changes, 
And this is a whole topic, but all mind-body healing, one of the characteristics when you look at it is our alterations in perceived time and space. And when the perception of time changes, the physiology changes. And, it's, and so it's like you enter another domain, another realm of consciousness in which time is temporarily suspended as you are immersed in this piece of music that you love. And it has a remarkable, it creates remarkable changes in um, your physiology your, and your brain processing and your perception. And it's a very valuable thing to do. The research clearly shows that if a person listens to music that is relaxing for 20 minutes a day, there are distinct measurable benefits to mental wellness and physical health. Okay, we're going to have to take a break, unfortunately. And when we come back, I'm going to ask Tom about his new movie and a lot of his work that he's doing to help Uh, the planet and so you'll definitely want to stay tuned we're speaking with the incredible Tom Kenyon and we'll be continuing this fascinating conversation this is Get Real Radio I'm your host James Robinson and we're talking with Tom Kenyon we'll be right back The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Museums are great places to work and wonderful places to visit. But are they essential? How can we improve our museum practice so that museums remain vital and essential players in society? Listen for Museum Life with host Carol Bossert, where each week we'll discuss timely and topical issues of concern to the museum community. Museum Life can be heard live every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
You are listening to Get Real Radio with James Robinson. We'd love to hear from you. Please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to mr.jamesmedia at gmail.com. That's mr.jamesmedia at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Get Real Radio. I'm your host, James Robinson, and today we're talking to a incredible being, Tom Kenyon, and he's just made a movie with his wife, Judy Skyen, that is really amazing. Uh, we've I've seen previews of it, and I can tell you that it's going to take the world by storm, and it's called uh, The Song of the New Earth, Tom Kenyon and the Power of Sound. So, Tom, tell me why you made this film, what you hope it's going to do, and, and what uh, you wanted to, what the message is. Well, I was a reluctant participant <clears throat> at the beginning because I never really wanted a film about me. I'm not interested in that. And um, it, it, it's a long story, but essentially my wife, Judy, in conversations with the filmmakers who were following or with us in southern France, um, they were stumped about how to make a movie about Mary Magdalene because there were so many legends and stories that it was really difficult to come up with something uh, that was coherent at that moment. And um, Judy suggested to them, why don't they make a movie about me and my work? And they had experienced my work and were deeply moved by it. And so they all approached me, and I said, I really don't want to do a movie about me. I'm not interested in that. And, and then I thought about it, and what I realized was that I can't be a... Judy and I have been around the world about six times teaching all over the place, but we can't go to every country that wants us. And this is a way for people to experience uh, a sense of the work, Um. And so it was like a way to give a legacy, and and it will continue on. And so the vision and the reason I got on board was that it was to address several things. One was the power of sound to open these gateways or doorways of perception into the inner worlds of each and every human being. And because I truly believe, and I know this from having worked in this field for 35 years, that we all have inner resources that we're not aware of. And when you change consciousness just a little bit, uh, your brain processing, you see things, abilities in yourself that you never saw that you had before. And, and that's a very positive thing. And the other aspect that we, we wanted, and we're very clear about um, with the filmmakers that needed to be in the film, was the honoring of the feminine principle of consciousness, uh, returning of the balance between the male and female principle, and the necessity for changing our relationship to the earth. So that's what was behind. Uh, those are the themes, the primary themes of the film. Well, you mentioned that uh, it was about the Magdalene story, the Magdalene energy. Could you mm-hmm. expand on that a little bit? What what do you mean by that, and and what uh, what it's done for you? 
Well, Judy had been, my wife Judy had been exploring um, Mary Magdalene for years and the Black Madonnas, which are, it's all through Europe, there are these Madonnas that are black, and it has to do with the cloaking of the truth um, about Mary Magdalene. And so we've, what we've inherited is a distortion that um, even the Catholic Church admitted, I forget the Pope's name, but he said that uh, he got her confused with somebody else and said that she was a whore, and this was not actually the case at all. And in southern France, they have um, their churches, and they have the stained glass and artwork that talk about her being in France after the crucifixion. And so this is a really a living... Uh, is held as a living truth in many people in southern France, and that she and Yeshua were married, and that she was a very highly evolved being, and that she was used as a mechanism by the church to create shame in women, because and this gets us into the archetypes of women and what's acceptable in our culture and other cultures, and it's very narrow. You have the virgin or you have the whore. Um, And it's such a complex area. I'm not sure what direction to go into. Are you wanting to go more into the historical aspect of this or the symbolic aspect of Magdalene and what she represents for the potential of women and the feminine? I think that's... I'm, I actually am very personally uh, fascinated by the the Cathars and the whole Magdalene legacy in southern France and Languedoc and all of that. But I think for our listeners, uh, where I'd like to go is to discuss a little bit about Magdalene energy, the divine feminine, and mm-hmm. why it's important for people to embrace this. You mentioned that you know the masculine and feminine need to be balanced, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, I'd love to hear your uh, understanding about those topics. Well, for me, a lot of this goes back as a reference point to the brain and the psychological aspects because, of course, we filter our experience of life through our personal journeys and mine have been through uh, an exploration of what goes on in the brain in relationship to mystical states. And I worked as a psychotherapist for 30 years. So the two aspects that I think are very significant here, um, one aspect has to do with the organization of our brain. So when, when I say the return of a balance between the masculine and feminine, I mean psychological balance. I mean balance between how men and women relate to each other externally in the world. Right now, men are dominant over women in many ways, and in some cultures more intensely than others. But across the board, men are in a places of power higher than women, and women are subservient to men. And this creates an extreme paradox and problem for women of power, I think, because how do they express their power in a world that is male-dominated? So there's right. a psychological issue, the, the social, but for, but one of the kernels of this, for me, goes back to the brain. And the left side of the brain, we know, is where the language centers are located and logic. And um, this is where this aspect of consciousness that expresses through the left hemisphere is valued in our culture 
logic, language, mathematics, the ability to be precise, sequential. And this is um, attributed to uh, as masculine traits. They're not really masculine traits, but our culture has that mythology. So that's embedded in our subconscious mind. The right hemisphere is more intuitive, spatially oriented, and so that is more feminine in nature. And what's truly fascinating is that our central and peripheral nervous systems cross over so that the left side of the brain controls the right side of the body and the right side of the brain controls the left side of the body. So the right side of the body is in many um, metaphorical and spiritual traditions spoken of as the, the masculine side and the left is as the feminine side. And it gets down to the nitty-gritty and um, different levels. At one level I could just point to that speaks eloquently, although it is rather crass, in, the, um, in India, you eat with your right hand, and that's the masculine side, and you wipe your ass with your left hand, and you would never eat with your left hand. And in some spiritual traditions, it said they've gone into the left-handed path, and that's a very negative thing. So things that are associated with the feminine become negative, and things that are associated with masculine become positive. If you look at the spiritual traditions, with very few exceptions, men are dominant over women in places of power. This gets down to a more subtle level symbolically because I think in our, what I call the psycho-spiritual level, which is where our psychology and our spirituality meet, what we hold symbolically is true affects how we approach the world around us. And at a deep level, the feminine um, aspect is associated with earth and the masculine ex expression is expressed as the sky or heaven. So we talk about Mother Earth or the goddess Gaia, but our attitude towards the Earth as a, especially if we're talking about the Western culture here, we're not talking about indigenous peoples, they have a different approach, but the Western approach, and we are the major force of changing the world right now, looks at the world at a symbolic level as the feminine. And so we plunder and rape the earth just like we are plundering and raping women all over the world, symbolically and sometimes literally. So there's a huge imbalance. And if we don't change how we relate to each other and to the earth, we won't survive as a species. But for me, it comes back down to how do we relate to ourselves internally? And Carl Jung talked about this extensively, he called the male the animus and the female the anima. So we have an internalized male-female. doesn't matter what gender you are, you have an aspect of your psychology that is feminine and an aspect that is masculine. And they are very different styles of relating to the world. And the task that Carl Jung saw was to find a balance between these two polarities. And another way of saying it is the polarities in our brain, to operate from both sides of our brain in balance would cause us to approach problem solving in a different way than we do now. So does sound, would sound, especially your sound techniques, help with this internal struggle? 
Well, yes, it depends on what sounds. I mean, I create sound patterns that do different things, but since we're talking about this one particular thing, for instance, um, in the film, at the end, there's the song Tagaya. And the actual sound meditation is 30 minutes long. And it was spontaneously done live during a Hathor event um, many years ago. And so that one small part of that was put at the end of the film. And people tell me that they sometimes feel like weeping or get very emotional when they hear this, which is a song to the earth. And what was interesting for me is when I was bringing that meditation forward, that sound, those sound patterns, I'd never done this before, so I didn't know what was going to happen. As I'm singing this song, in the moment, I see I'm in an altered state, meaning my right hemisphere is highly active and my left hemisphere is just barely there. I was suddenly in the, the cosmic realms, and all these beings, spiritual beings of these immense levels of power and, and insight were bowing to and honoring to the being that we call Earth and that they call Gaia for what she was doing and what she was having to endure. And it was such an emotional moment for me to sense that much adoration of our Earth from these spiritual beings. I had, I had used every technique that I knew to keep from just stopping and breaking down into sobs because it was such an intense experience. So, in, in answer to your question, can sound help us in this dilemma? Sound of that order can. So, like the song of the uh, song to Gaia, which appears on a, a single CD of uh, mine called Aethos, that can assist because it is a direct transmission of the vibratory fields having to do with the honoring of the earth. And if someone listens to the songs of Magdalene, which I channeled from the vibratory field of this intelligence that we call Magdalene, that has in, in, in itself the vibratory reality of balance, because that's what her work is about. And, thus, and so a person listening to that could be trans, could, it could help them in the struggle we're talking about. So yes, if the sounds are actually coming from the vibratory reality of the resolution, this conflict between male and female, and someone listens to it, yes, it can be helpful to them. Fantastic. I want to tell our listeners that if you're interested in Tom's work, and, and you should be, that it would be very helpful to go to his website, which is TomKenyon.com. And it, Tom and his wife, Judy, are, are very, very prolific in having all of these materials. There's books, there's downloadable MP3s, there's some free stuff on there, there's uh, albums galore, and it uh, has tons and tons of information about what Tom has been talking about today. So if you want to go online, you can certainly uh, check out his website, TomKenyon.com, and order. I just was on there the other night and, and downloaded hours and hours of music that I'm just starting to enjoy. But Tom, one thing that might be helpful, if, if somebody's interested in going further with this 
balancing and coming to a, a peaceful resolution of any struggles that are going on. Is there any particular work or music or book that you could recommend on your website that they could get and, and that would help them? Are we talking about the struggle between the male and female aspect? Is yes. That's what you're referring to? Yes. Um, well, if they go to the website, there's a Magdalene section, and that's all free information. A lot of the, in- the information, articles and sound meditations are free. So if they go to the Magdalene section, they'll, they can get some information. And I would suggest the Magdalene manuscript if they're really interested in exploring this dichotomy between the male-female principle and how to resolve it, because what's beautiful about the that particular book, the manuscript, Magdalene Manuscript, is that it's one part is about her story, but another part is about um, how the feminine can be dealt with and approached in a way that brings balance through different traditions. And the alchemy of consciousness, and it talks about the alchemy of relationship and how to bring the feminine forward internally and externally in relationships. And another part of the book is uh, my wife's journey as a woman of power dealing with a world that doesn't honor the feminine. So it's a multidimensional exploration of this topic and people, men and women, and this is very interesting, many men have said it has been a very powerful experience for them to read. So if that's what a person is interested in out of what we offer, I would suggest the Magdalene Manuscript and I would suggest listening to the Songs of Magdalene, the CD. Fantastic. One one, uh, thing I need to do is I'm told I have a very southern accent. I don't know why anybody would say that, but (laughs) uh, I just wanted to clarify for people that your website is T-O-M- K-E-N-Y-O-N dot com. So uh, people can go there, and, and I promise you that you could spend days on this website. It is it's amazing the mass of information and music and training materials and uh, just ancient wisdom that's on that website. I um, wanted to follow up with, your sound healing foundation and mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to ask you to talk about that a little bit because I know you're doing some great work with that and uh, wanted to let people know about that well it started out originally as a way to um, create a legal structure that um, would allow us to build these um, sound shafts that have to that have to do with bringing beneficial subtle energies to the earth itself and one is in New Mexico and one is in Costa Rica and one is at the border of Tibet in Nepal and then it evolved into um, that still goes that still goes on but when we were in Tibet um, we went to a nunnery called the Yansi Nunnery, which is very remote, and the women nuns chanted in a way that was truly mesmerizing and transporting. And what was interesting for me, they also played uh, traditional Tibetan instruments, um, the wind horns, and um, 
they were, from a musicology standpoint, superior to some of the monasteries where the more famous monks were residing. I thought that was really interesting. And so it, listening to them was like, wow, these, I didn't even know that nuns chanted like this. And so we were leaving the Gyatse nunnery, getting on the bus, and Tibet is very difficult. I have a deep connection to Tibet, and it's, this was one, we've been there several times. I forget which trip this was, but uh, it's very hard physically to be at that altitude and uh, politically for various reasons. And so we're getting ready to get on the bus, and I say, turn to my wife, and I say, um, thank God my karma with Tibet is done. I don't need to come back. And she didn't miss a beat. She said, well, I'll miss you because I'm coming back to record the nun. <laughs> and that's a woman of power. And, yeah. and so I said, well, of course, immediately, I mean, I aligned with her vision. Um, and so we returned to Tibet um, with recording equipment and recorded them chanting. And um, all the money, all the proceeds go back to the nunnery. And we have also since then recorded a nunnery in Bhutan and also a chode center um, which is a, a technique that was developed by Yeshe Sogyo um, in one of her manifestations, uh, which is all done by all women. And so all the money that's raised from the sale of, their, of these CDs and MP3s go back to them, every penny except the cost of producing the CDs. And so this is very different, and this is one of the things that uh, Judy wanted that was very adamant about, that the West takes medicine, meaning the herbs and the, the knowledge from other cultures, and takes it and doesn't give anything back. And, um, and sometimes it's a token amount, like 10% goes back. Uh, in this case, every penny goes back. And I don't know how much time we have left. I don't have my clock in front of me, but there were remarkable stories of what happened for this nunnery as they received um, the money to do um, what they envisioned and what they did beyond their vision. And essentially one of the things that occurred was we raised so much money for them that they built, a, repaired a wall, they expanded the nunnery to let more nuns in. They were able to give all the nuns new robes because they were tattered and torn, and they were able to get what's called a Vajrayogini empowerment, which allowed them to empower women through the power of this archetype, this goddess figure in Mahayana Buddhism called Vajrayogini, um, and also send two of the nuns to medical school, and they can come back and they can set up a clinic that will serve the whole community. So it was, it's really beautiful, and this is happening everywhere with these, all these three nunneries are, have their own story about how the resources that are coming to them are changing their lives for the better and for the betterment of their communities, and that's really a beautiful part of the sound. Well, I, you know, anything that you're doing that helps raise the consciousness of the planet is well done as far as I'm concerned. I wanted to let people know that they can go on to Tom's website, TomKenyon.com, and purchase these recordings and, and a ton of other music as well that, that 
uh, is incredibly healing. It's incredibly raises your consciousness, your vibration. And if there's, if you're looking for anything that will help break you out of being stuck or being, uh, plateaued or things, you know, you just know that there's something out there for you that will help you on your path. I highly recommend that you go to Tom's website and download some of his music. Um, you know, I also want to take a quick second to say that uh, you should definitely uh, get the film Song of the New Earth. It's, a, it's an amazing film and that it really is moving uh, to see that kind of individual doing that kind of work. And I wanted to also let people know that I have talked to Tom uh previously, and if you have children that have developmental problems, you'll definitely want to investigate the effect and benefits of his music on developmental learning, autism, anything of that nature with children, because it has a profound effect and beneficial effect on children. So we're out of time. Tom, I'm only about 25% down my list of questions, so <laughs> yes, right. you're going to have to come back. I've, I'll be uh, glad to. And glad I, to. if I have to, I'll use my Judy card to uh, get you back on my show. <laughs> well, thank, you. thank you so much for taking the time. I, I, you know, I want people to know that he is on sabbatical. He's not teaching at the moment i hope that he will be coming back in the fall but uh, yeah i start teaching again in september the first event will be the first saturday in new york in manhattan and but up till then i mean this ends a year that will end a year-long sabbatical where i have been not teaching publicly well i live in jen and i live in manhattan you're going to have to come stay with us so We'll have to stop here. This is Get Real Radio. I'm James Robinson, and we've been talking to Tom Kenyon. Thanks for listening, and we'll be with you next week. Thank you again for tuning in to Get Real Radio with James Robinson. Please join us again next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. This week... Open up your heart and look inside your spiritual self. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.